This is Cult Scenes K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. And Scott Interante. And on this episode, we're discussing the 2019 MTV Video Music Awards and uh, the intersection with K-Pop and especially BTS with our guest, Amina Khan. Amina is an entertainment writer for Teen Vogue, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Stephen, thanks for having me back. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I, I was hoping we could tempt you on uh, back on with this topic. It has been uh, uh, maybe more than a year since I've been here, right? It has been, and I think I have a I have an idea uh, why you might have agreed to come on, but maybe we'll, that's that'll be toward the end of the show. Right? <laughs> okay. Uh, but our main topic is, of course, uh, I think most of our listeners will be aware of this, but uh, this year. MTV, the Video Music Awards, created a new category for Best K-Pop Video and conspicuously did not nominate any K-Pop groups for any of their major awards, uh, Best Song, Best Video, Best Artist, and uh, of course, most prominently left BTS off of all those lists. And there's been um, a lot of commentary online including some very good commentary from our guest today. Yeah, Amina, you wrote a op-ed for Teen Vogue about this back when it was first announced that they were adding this category. Do you think you could maybe just tell us a little bit about that and your sort of feelings on the whole situation in general? I feel like it's an interesting situation because on one hand, I don't think most people are really surprised, despite the fact that like, you know, a lot of K-pop groups, especially BTS, have, have had some pretty like astronomical success in, in the U.S. That like the institutions that still sort of reward success in these types of contexts like don't necessarily see that or award that that sort of success in in a way that makes sense to the audience. So it's like I guess I, I guess I'm not really angry. It's sort of something that I think a lot of K-pop fans have gotten used to as far as like how the artists that they listen to are respected or received. I think it comes from a lack of understanding of how like K-pop fans and K-pop in the U.S. works. So it sort of seems to me like these these brands like MTV look at K-pop and they look, they look at the numbers and they want to kind of get those numbers for themselves, but they don't really want to understand how K-pop exists in the atmosphere or in the ecosystem, if that makes sense. And, and I guess your unspoken premise is that you know, the category, the K-pop category was created to as an excuse for not putting BTS into one of the main categories. Right. I think especially with BTS, I feel like, I mean, we'll never know why they created this category, but I think that especially when you see K-pop being sort of like spoken about in, in Western media, it's sort of within this, like, it's about BTS. And so like, to me, I sort of look at like media companies talking about BTS with a bit of a suspicious eye just because I'm like I think you just want clicks from ARMY or you think you just want engagement from ARMY so it's sort of to me this K-pop category felt a bit insincere in that respect I just don't think that they paid attention to the kinds of things that um, BTS fans necessarily bite to yeah I'm a a little uncomfortable with the assumption that if a K-pop group were to be nominated of course it would be BTS, because, you know, I mean, theoretically, these shows are supposed to award the best and BTS could could have the best video, huh. certainly. And there's a lot of people who think that. Um, but it's just so obvious that 
to a great extent, this is a popularity contest, right? I mean, BTS is by far the most successful K-pop group in the U.S. market. And for that reason, you assume that if they put a K-pop group in a major category, it would be BTS. Yeah, almost the entire award is film votes. So to me, I, it just sort of sounds like they wanted, I mean, I mean, we've seen like the past several years, the VMAs have had issues with viewership and things like that. So I think as someone who works in media, like, I think everyone has seen like, oh, when you talk about BTS, like the traffic, the engagement, it's just, you know, and so I think to me, it sort of felt like they were hoping that, you know, even if BTS didn't come to the award, award show, that there would be some amount of engagement. And I think there were because clearly, like, <laughs> BTS fans voted, you know what I mean? So they voted, but I don't think that they watched because I think that viewership was at an all-time low again this year. So. Yeah, and, you know, obviously I agree with all of this, and I think that there's certainly a racial element about it that I think we'll get into. But, you know, on the flip side, it's like if we think about five years ago, if this had happened, this this would be a big deal, right? I And I think that because... K-pop in general and BTS specifically in the past few years have had a lot of opportunities at, you know, the Billboard Music Awards. They were nominated for a Grammy this year, although, of course, you know, just one for packaging. But it's still like we're trending in that direction. So I think that this feels more like, OK, we can we can see the cynical side of it, whereas it is, you know, if they continue to have this category and continue to expand this category and then eventually, you know, groups are nominated in other other categories, then we could see this as the beginning of something in the right direction um, as opposed to just the, the cynical side of it, which I think is is certainly uh, a valid view of the way this was handled as well. But. Yeah, I think the, uh, the title of Tamar Herman's article on this referenced, you know, that this was too little too late, right? I mean, even even two years ago, I think K-pop fans would have celebrated what a great accomplishment it was to get a, to get a K-pop category or to get any K-pop group nominated for the VMAs. But at this point, right. it's, it's almost the opposite. Right. And I think even if you look at like, I mean, I, I, I spoke about this too, and I think that a lot of people are, even if you look at like the Latin category, a lot of those nom- nominees were like, they like far outperformed the people who were nominated for some of the highest honors of the night. You know what I mean? As far as sales, as far as numbers, even within the US. So it's just kind of like, I guess on a, on a, on a larger level about like what, which audiences do these award shows value more kind of, if that makes sense. Like the US still has an aversion to non-English speaking music and non-English speaking in general. Yeah, I I think that's that's clear. You know, you were talking about how most of these awards are fan voted, right? And so the exclusion of both the K-pop and the Latin pop out out of the largest categories like video of the year and pop song and album and and such, like the exclusion of those seems like calculated to say, well, we know that if if Army is voting that BTS will win and that's not what we want our award show to look like or to be for, you know. But you know, I think the Latin pop stuff is interesting because I watched the whole ceremony and there was a lot of Latin pop, right? In addition to the Camila Cabello, Sean Mendes, Senorita, there were performances by Rosalia, performances by Bad Bunny and J Balvin. Like the the presence was there for Latin pop in a way that I thought was really interesting. And then you know we didn't see that same thing 
from K-pop, and it could have, right? They could have invited BTS to perform. Like Halsey was there, they could have done Boy and Love. They could have done other things. They could have invited Monster X, who is also nominated, right? But they didn't make that effort to include both of those things. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, it's possible that they that they might have invited, but I mean, regardless, I think from the rollout of the nominations, I think that kind of set the tone for how this particular topic would have been handled at the event. Yeah, and I thought that BTS's reaction to the nomination was very interesting. They did retweet some MTV's announcements, you know, on on Twitter mm-hmm. of of their uh, when they won, but when they were nominated, there was no uh, acknowledgement of that at all. In fact, they tweeted out something about their their Weverse uh, series that was going to premiere at the same time as as the VMAs. Right. I mean, so. I guess you can call it like petty or whatever, but I. I'm saying this, I guess I'm biased because I am a BTS fan, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I personally feel like, yeah, at this point, the VMAs is quite a small honor compared to the things that they have accomplished in the US, given the landscape of how popular K-pop has gotten with respect to other Western artists, you know what I mean? Like Dua Lipa has collaborated with K-pop artists. Um, Ava Max has, Halsey has at this point. I mean, French Montana had, I mean, all these songs, it seems like the musicians that the, that are being played on the radio are embracing these artists. So it's just sort of weird to me that um, the rest of the industry isn't in a way that's that makes sense. But I think that had BTS been nominated for one of the main awards of the evening, their fans and they probably would have given it a Yeah. Yeah, I wonder about the fan reaction because there was a certain amount of, of you know, there's no way to really know, but... There was a certain movement to boycott the VMAs. Um, there wasn't a lot of encouragement, you know, for people to vote. And actually, like Scott, I would have assumed that, that BTS would just win every category they were in, but they, you know, they didn't win best collaboration. Mm-hmm. I think probably Army could have shown up a lot more if they had felt, you know, a little more motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to think about what MTV, the executives, you know, were sort of telling each other and when they made this decision about making the cave pop category, because I think it is pretty clear that it was done to keep BTS out of the top categories. And, you know, it's easy to say that's, that's xenophobia or racism or something. And I'm, and that certainly is an element of it, but I doubt that they were, that's what they were telling themselves, you know, was, was the motivation behind it. What I think back to is you guys remember when YouTube had, what did they call it? They just called it the YouTube Music Awards in 2013. Right, right. And it was a fan voting kind of model. And video of the year was Girls' Generation. Not surprisingly to K-pop fans, but surprisingly to a lot of other people who, you know, a lot of the reaction online was, who the hell is Girls' Generation? Right. And, I, you know, I don't know if that was the cause or not, but the the YouTube Music Awards, you know, they tried something again in 2015, but basically... It died after that. And, you know, MTV has made most of these awards and especially the top awards fan voted. So I can imagine them thinking, look, if you if we put BTS in one of these categories there, I mean, they're going to win. There's no doubt about it. And if you think about what's the you know, why does MTV even have these awards in the first place? It's not really to recognize the best or even most popular music videos. I mean, they're doing it most obviously just to have a a show that they can sell advertisements against, but I think even more importantly, just to build their brand and 
for MTV to be important right. in the world of music. Somehow in there, I think they thought that, you know, having a K-pop group. I mean, if you look at when Billboard does these matchup band voting things, you know, like Tiara used to win every year when Tiara wasn't even active. So it's just imagine that if, you know, if they put BTS in one of the top categories this year, they win, you know, they have three times the votes of any other group. What's MTV going to do next year? If they exclude BTS after right. that, it's going to be even, the backlash is going to be even worse. So I think they may have had that in mind. Yeah, I, I don't know that I think we need to give them the the benefit of the doubt on the racism either, though. Like, um, you know, not good on that. Yeah, I mean, wa- watching the whole ceremony like I did, like this thing was corporate sponsored in every corner, right? I mean, the Jonas Brothers performance was like sponsored by Toyota and yeah. Pepsi gave Missy Elliott the Vanguard Award. Like every every inch of this thing was was sponsored and, and corporate backed. And I, I don't think I'm, you know, I, of course I don't know the situation. We are not in those board meetings, but I, I'm not prepared to say it wasn't racism explicitly. <laughs> right. Well, or at least, you know, racist perception of the audience or, you know, right. Like when, like I, I keep thinking back to when MTV wouldn't play Michael Jackson I don't think they were just burning money, you know, they that they thought that Michael Jackson was incredibly popular among their audience. I think they thought maybe that was an undesirable audience or they didn't think right, it was right. popular as what they, you know, for for whatever reason, it wasn't necessarily we don't like black performers, but it was a racially tinged idea of how to make money off of this whole deal. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like at the same time like not valuing valuing the audience of a black performer or not valuing the audience of an Asian performer is kind of like the same thing as not valuing that performer in in some respect. Yeah. Even if it wasn't the intention, I think that it, I feel comfortable calling this sort of like a xenophobic situation. I mean, if we're talking about solely on numbers, and I feel like in this particular context, we can because this is a fan vote for like 80% of the categories. And if like what you're what you're trying to put out is is engagement if like then i think that we can focus on numbers and at least half of the k-pop category k-pop nominees themselves had like more views on music videos than like the or the um nominees for like music video of the year to me it just sort of feels like they put people in a bucket and they really i think that genuinely they believe that fans would be really happy um, and I think, oh, yeah. I think that that was kind of a huge misstep because I think in 2019, K-pop fans, <laughs> I feel like if you go on Twitter.com, you can see that K-pop fans really don't accept crumbs, you know, like they want the main awards or they don't want it. Why don't I go through quickly what the nominations were for best K-pop video? Cause I think that's kind of interesting too. You've got, of course, BTS's Boy With Love. You have Blackpink's Kill This Love. XO for Tempo, NCT 127 for Regular, TXT or, you know, there's many ways in which you can say that, Cat and Dog, an interesting choice for for that group, and Monster X and French Montana, Who Do You Love? So there are certainly some commonalities amongst these choices. I think maybe XO might be the the odd group out there that doesn't, that doesn't have a, a real strong tie to 
you know, a U.S. audience or at least a push for a U.S. audience in there. Yeah. Do you think if somebody had showed up to, or I mean, BTS, if BTS had showed up, um, they might have announced that in, a, you know, televised? Absolutely. I mean, if BTS had shown up, I think that they would have for sure gotten a ton of like screen time, whatever. I mean, I, I mean, the thing is, there's really nothing to comment on with respect to why, why they didn't announce those on stage or why they put those up during the red carpet. But I will say, I think that, I think that if they had allowed Halsey to just like accept the award on their behalf and like be like, Oh, shout out to the boys or whatever. um, I think that fans would have been totally fine with that, you know? So, and then if we go through the, who won in these categories that BTS was nominated for, of course they won best K-pop, they won best group, which is, I think that's one of those new categories that they created this year where you voted on Instagram? Yes. So the, the best group, I think there was another another category or maybe multiple categories where... Yeah, there were three. It was like Song of the Summer and like Power of Yeah, Ballad. so there was... So basically like, I think it was like a week ago that they were like, oh, we have another category, best group. BTS is nominated. Go on our Instagram story and swipe up for the for the artist you want to vote for. But literally it was, it was pretty absurd because like we had no idea that this category was going to be like something that existed. And I mean, you know, probably a lot of people are saying like, Oh, they just did this to kind of like respond to the backlash that BTS wasn't nominated for a main group or no K-pop artist was nominated for a main group for a main award. Yeah, I've seen that. And the thing is like, whether or not that's true is I think irrelevant. I think that they did their best to like come back to from like whatever the situation was but i don't think that there was anything they could have done after the nominations were released that would have made k-pop fans happy the fan voted category that they did not win as as we mentioned before was senorita uh, for collaboration best collaboration and then the two uh what they call professional categories that are not fan voted uh, bts was nominated for art direction and choreography and did not win either of those ariana grande won art direction and uh, Rosalia and Jay Balvin won for choreography. Yes. A little bit of, as I said, a little bit of a surprise to me that that BTS could lose out on a fan voted mm-hmm. category. Yeah. So, so Amina, do you think that, you know, like I was saying earlier, that maybe this is like the first step, a misstep, but like the first step in them eventually getting this right? Or do you think that they're going to sort of like continue doing this until they feel like they can just drop it entirely? I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, I, I guess you can say this is the first step. But the thing was, like, first steps are usually kind of like a little bit weird, right. if that makes sense. So it's unfortunate that this, if this is the first step, it's unfortunate that it, that this is kind of how it had to play out. But I mean, I guess that tends to be the case when you're talking about kind of like a marginalized group and like their acceptance into the mainstream that like, it's going to take a few first steps before it, before we reach a place that everyone is happy with. I feel that if they just took, if, if MTV had just taken the time to like, really like understand K-pop or like interview even a few fans or talk to... I don't know, a K-pop journalist or something, even like American, someone who's in Korea, something, they would have really understood a little bit better the impact that these artists have had in the space. And I think they would have, they could have avoided this entirely. Like, I don't think that K-pop fandom in America is a secret at all. It's like, it's very accessible. And I think that it's a misstep that really didn't have to happen in the first place. Yeah, I think, and as a K-pop fan, you know, the reason, regardless of whether it's too late 
the reason that you want, uh, you know, that a K-pop category is something that you would cheer for or a K-pop group getting nominated in a category is so that people are, you know, exposed to music that they might not otherwise hear. And when you have a, a show where none of the groups are there, you know, none of them perform, if you think about performing on a an awards show, that's almost sort of what K-pop groups specialize in, right? I mean, they're made to get on the stage and do one song. You know, the opportunity to have, I know the VMAs aren't what they used to be, but VMAs, Grammys or whatever it is, to have those groups perform and have people see it and maybe, uh, you know, go down the rabbit hole with the rest of us. I mean, maybe so. But the thing is, I think that that's kind of what the Billboard Music Awards were for them, for BTS specifically. I think that this could have been a really cool moment for like one of the other groups. But I think that, quite frankly, like K-pop is much bigger than I think MTV gave them credit for. Like it's not just BTS. I think that K-pop is a bit too big in America to not consider giving artists a main category nomination. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just being overly optimistic about this, but I thought that the way that the Latin pop was treated in this award show was surprisingly inclusive and that I can imagine a world in which in a year or two that like K-pop is given that same opportunity. You would think that like, it feels like right now BTS is so big in America right now that this like would have clearly been the time that MTV would recognize that and give them that platform as well. But I can't imagine a world in a year or two where it is and there is one or even two like performances like there were with Latin pop this year. Yeah. I mean, I guess my other sort of, I guess something that I'm a little bit curious about is that like, okay, so right now, the mainstream audience is very interested in music that's sung in Spanish, music that's sung in Korean. Like, so they're giving them their categories, but like, okay, what if like in a few years, like music sung in another language becomes popular? Are they just going to make another category every single time there's a new language that, or like, you know what I mean? Like a new country that's producing music that is popular in America. It just seems a little bit redundant. Like I think that um, America is becoming more and more, and I shouldn't even just say America. I think the West is becoming more and more welcoming to music that is not English, that it's just, to have a category, it just feels a little bit like not with the times, you know? Well, have you all seen the European MTV Video Music Awards categories? I have not. It, it's exactly what you're talking about, Amina. It's it's every region, you know, they've got they've got three regions for I think they call it Latin America, Northern, Central, and Southern Latin America or South America. They've got, you know, Swedish, they've got I think it, I think they've got Japan, Korea. I mean, they they literally have like forty different regional categories. Which, I mean, a you can't do that on a show. You know, you can give the awards, um, but also, what purpose does that really? It doesn't serve anything because they, because you know what I mean to only be measured against peers from your own country in Europe. You know. Well, I wonder if we can learn anything from the Latin category that I guess they have it in the at the Grammys and they've had it for a while, the VMAs. Do you, I mean, I know that Latin music has become more, or, you know, Spanish language music has become more popular and, and widely listened to by non-Spanish language speakers, but I'm skeptical that their inclusion on these awards shows plays any part of that. Yeah. I, I, I think with the nominations themselves with the awards themselves that's a thousand percent right but i do think that the opportunity to perform is is important i think that does lead to other people who 
wouldn't necessarily seek out Rosalia who saw their performance and said, Oh, this girl's really interesting and is doing cool stuff. And I want to know more. Whereas, you know, if a K-pop group had that opportunity, like, you know, like Steven said, this is where they shine is getting on stage and doing a televised performance. So if you had a group perform any group, they would, almost definitely do a very good job and other people who would be like, Oh, you know, I, I never really checked out K-pop, but that performance was really great. I want to find out more. Um, and I think that's more important than the category or, you know, of course, if they're nominated for a top category, that's a bigger deal. But I think even then that doesn't necessarily get new people in the way that a performance would or just being included in the telecast, being shown in the audience, being shown interacting with other artists, accepting an award, performing, that kind of stuff, that visibility, I think, would actually do something. Yeah, right. I think you might. I think you're right the performances is what really gets a lot of people in the first place. Like the music video, like these visuals, the whole aesthetics behind K-pop, which is what you see in, in the performances is really what hooks people. And I think that that, that's like, there could have been a really good opportunity for that. If, I mean, we don't know if VMAs reached out, but. Well, let's move on to our unmuted K-pop picks. Uh, Scott, you have a big surprise in store for us. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, so mine should not be surprising if you, uh, if you've been a long time listener, the new hot felt song, uh, who's Yenny from wonder girls, her new solo name, hot felt. I think, what well, this is probably like my fourth time picking a, a hot felt song. So, so it was, How many does she it have? was great. Yeah, that's true. It was great when you asked me to do this episode that I had the opportunity to to have an easy pick. Um, but her yeah. new song, Happy Now, which features Moonbule from Mamamoo, another one of my favorites. So how could I how could I pass this up? So this song is is interesting to me. I always like her music. Her solo music tends to be uh, weirder, a little bit more experimental or stripped down, or she tries some different stuff. And what I thought was interesting about this track is it's pretty straightforward. It's a pretty straightforward pop song. Um, It is like a little bit cooler and laid back, but it's still relatively like a, a normal pop song. And that's different for her, which is cool. Um, she also, when she put out the song, she said it was about this breakup and she she shared a screenshot of a text message from an ex uh, uh, apologizing to her. She deleted the post, but it still, you know, exists on uh, on music websites that reported it. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting and bold, but it's a really fun breakup song like, hey, I hope you're happy now because I'm awesome and you're not with me anymore. So... Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you that exact thing that it sounded kind of simple and, you know, a little playful to me, but I was wondering if there was some hidden complexity that I wasn't picking up there because Hot Felt's usually up to something, you know, and she's had a, she's had a long time. Uh, working on this song. Yeah, it, to me, it just seemed like she wanted to do something more straightforward. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. I thought it was a really pretty song. Um, I feel like 
I, I'm like very like peripherally aware of Wonder Girls. Honestly, I'm such a bad K-pop fan, but I really started getting into K-pop the past couple years. So, but I thought that um, the song was really pretty. Cool. Yeah, you sh- you have to, you got to go back and catch up on the Wonder Girls. I know. <laughs> and the the post Wonder Girls. I I mean I mm-hmm. I love all of them. They're killing yeah. it. There's a new Sunmi song out this week too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is. They're all over the place. I didn't I didn't pick it though. Okay, what did you pick for in us, an upset? So I picked I, I think I somewhere I, I named this my song of the summer, which I don't think I have a lot of people agreeing with me. It's kind of an under the radar song. It's uh Saran Surfing yeah. with uh no G and with an apostrophe <laughs> at the end. And it's a little surprising to me that it is under the radar because I thought that she was a pretty well established artist. You know, she had, I think wine was a big hit for her and she had that one plus one equals zero. Mm-hmm. She was on mix nine and uh, her label's an SM subsidiary, so they shouldn't be totally broke. But this this song has no, hasn't had any promotion. It doesn't have a video, but it's really good. I think her vocals sound so good in it too. Yeah, that's the thing that I really love is, of course, if, if you like Saran, you like her vocals. So I really appreciate the vocal production that there's there's sections of the song where it's just her voice. There's minimal instrumentation and you can really hear her. You know, there's her, it's not even her own voice is layered mm-hmm. over that. Yeah. But then I really, I love the contrast of the extreme vocal effects that they have in the pre-chorus and I actually want to take advantage of having Scott on the show because Scott can always hear things that I can't hear or, or here's, here's things that I think I don't hear or, or something <laughs> like that. But the, in that pre-chorus, it sounds to me like they have, they actually keep her natural voice and then they just have layers behind it of, you know, her voice with extreme vocal effects on it. Am I hearing that? Yes. Right? So what it sounds like to me is, yeah, they have the main vocal and then the background vocals are uh, a vocoder, right? So that's where you mm-hmm. take the vocal signal and then you're playing notes on a keyboard and it changes the vocal input to the notes that you're playing on the keyboard. So it has like both the original in there and then also these sort of, uh, they sound really digitized because they're getting pitch shifted like that. But that's what it sounds like they're doing to me. Uh, whether that's like an actual vocoder or just doing it on a computer or something. But um, but it's I think it's a really cool way to do that pre-course. I really like the way it sounds because it, even though it's very different from the clean vocals, it's almost like it matches and exaggerates her raspy sort of natural yeah. timbre, right? So it's it's not it, even though it's totally different. It's kind of uh, kind of matches up pretty well. And then it go, and then after that, you know, sort of grating part, it goes into a real dancey, fun chorus. And I think that contrast really is good too. It makes that chorus just even so much more welcome when it when it comes. Yeah. So Amina, you. Uh, are familiar with Saran yeah. also? I picked an older song. It's actually 
just three years old. I picked a song by August D and Saran. It's on the um, it's on Sugar of BTS's mixtape that I released last year, three years ago. Sorry, um, called So Far Away, and I just liked it because well, one the reason I picked it was because a lot of BTS fans are really wanting another mixtape. So everyone thinks like, oh, August, August, and I mean I'm still holding out hope because there's a couple more days. So that's why I picked it. Kind of nudging maybe a mixtape drop, um, and this is a really really pretty song on the on the mixtape. His verses sound so great. I think that they complement um, Saran's vocals really well, and I think that she was a great pick for the song and a great collaborator. Yeah, I really like how the song really goes somewhere. You know, a lot of the songs and songs that I love, you kind of circle around a few times. And this one, really, it's a long song. Yeah. And it sort of goes off on its own, sort of meanders off uh, toward the end. Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard this, but it's it's really cool. It's almost like a, like a power ballad kind of thing. Um, and their their voices sound really good together, I thought. So we got the BTS tie-in. We got Saran again. <laughs> Full circle. I felt really bad picking a BTS song. I mean, like a BTS member's song, but um, listen, the mixtape has to come soon. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, I guess that that about does it for this episode of K-Pop Unmuted. Thank you for listening. You can check us out uh, on Cult Scene, that's with a K, uh, or uh, on Twitter at K-Pop Unmuted or at Cult Scene. You can find me. Uh, I have a new handle because Twitter does not like me. I had to make a new account. So now I am at Interante Scott. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. Um, and Stephen, where can people find you? They can still find me at Tennessee Appeal <laughs> on Twitter. You know, all the bad stuff going on on Twitter and, and they they hunt down Scott. And yeah, Donald. right, right. Um, and Amina, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts about this whole thing. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on all the socials, just Twitter and Instagram. I don't know why I said all the socials. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amina S-D-F-G-H-J-K-L. So that's just my first name and then the rest of the home row on the keyboard. Um, it's <laughs> annoying, but I mean, if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so thank you again for listening and we will talk to you next time.